together. Father, thank you for the invitation to give our lives to you. Thank you for the invitation to begin our experiences in relationships with you. And we just invite you, Father, to continue to be in this space. And I pray, Lord God, that you would speak this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. May-December romances, May-December relationships. Why do I always get stuck with the stuff like this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. But it's, it's the hard stuff, so let's just dive right in. This morning, I want to talk to you about um, what, what would happen in a relationship if you were dating someone or married to someone who was significantly older or younger than you. And my favorite story, any of you who've hung around me for the last two, three years, you know one of my favorite, favorite books of the Bible is the book of Ruth. And one of my favorite stories is the story of Ruth and Boaz. So if you'd like to, you can turn in the pew Bibles in front of you to the book of Ruth, which is in the Old Testament. It is the fourth or fifth book in. If you have your smartphones, please feel free to go to Biblos or Bible Gateway or a Bible website of your choice. Or if you have your Bible on your phone, let's go for it. We're going to be reading from Ruth chapter 2, verses 5 through 13, and then Ruth chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. I hear papers rustling, so I'll give you a couple of seconds. I'm sorry, Ruth is the eighth book in in the Old Testament, which is in the front part for those of you who are not really familiar. Ruth chapter 2, verses 5 through 13. And I'm going to be reading to you from the New King James Version. And it reads, Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in any other field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. 
Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform duty for you, then I will return the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. Who is Ruth? She is a Moabite widow. She grew up a Moabite, married a Hebrew boy because his mother and father and brothers and moved into the country of Moab, the area of Moab, because of a famine in their hometown. Ruth accompanies her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to her community, her country. You've, if you've ever gone to a Christian wedding, you've probably heard a, a scripture reading either from 1 Corinthians 13 about love, or you've heard the words that Ruth said to her mother-in-law, entreat me not to leave you. Don't ask me not to follow after you. Your God will be my God and your people will be my people. So this is Ruth. Ruth has left what she knows and has come to a strange place where she stands out like a sore thumb. When she speaks, they know she's different. When they look at her, they know she's different. It is this Ruth who ends up marrying and getting into a relationship with Boaz, who is much older than she is. And if you notice the dialogue between the two of them, you get the impression that Boaz is blown away that this young woman, because she was pretty, that this young beautiful widow would choose him, would want him to be her, to be her husband. Taking you back in time to the ancient Near East, people being in relationships where one spouse is older than the other, it's not new. As a matter of fact, back, back, back in the day, it wasn't unheard of for a man to marry a woman that was much younger than him. And despite the current cougar fascination, it wasn't unheard of for a younger man to be with an older woman. I'm just saying. Well, that would only occur, of course, if that woman's husband had died. And according to the Leveret marriage law that God put, gave the children of Israel, a, a child needed to be born of that widow so that the husband who had died's name would not be forgotten. Because your name was a big deal. And if you look in Genesis 38, you will see the story of Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Her first husband died, and then she married her husband's brother, and he died. And then she married another brother, and he died too. So Judah said, you know what? Go to your father's house, and when my baby son grows up, I'll call you, and you can marry him. Cougar. Well, if you read the story, you know that Judah didn't keep up to his end of the bargain. So yes, it's not unheard of for people to be into relationships in biblical times with someone who was either considerably older than them or considerably younger than them. And you all have strong opinions about this on campus. One person said, one year, that's it. That's as low as I'm willing to go. And someone said, definitely not if we don't have the same social, um, what was it Zach said? He said, if we don't have the same world events in common. Yeah. Which is interesting because I'm finding a lot of 18, 19, and 20 year olds are listening to music from back in the 80s and thinking that that was really good music. And I'm like, stick with your own generation. <laughs> While we do not have a window into the daily life of Ruth and Boaz, you know there had to be some issues, don't we? There had to be some issues. And let, let me make this clear. I'm not gonna tell you if it's good 
Because we want to know, is it right? Is it okay to date someone younger or older? I'm not, this is not what this conversation is about. What I want to talk to you about today are what a challenge is, and then possibly some hmm, solutions, if not methods, to help you make it through and navigate this period of your life. So here are some common problems that are challenges that couples who have significant age gaps face. One, family relationships with parents and siblings. Two, blending the family if there are step stepchildren involved. Three, determining whether or not to try to conceive children with each other. Because that's important, right? If you're marrying someone who's considerably older than you or considerably younger than you, you're going to wonder, are we going to have children or are we not going to have children? One, uh, one person I read up said it was okay for her to be with someone who was considerably older than her because she didn't have to have the children, but she got to have the grandchildren. Um, you know, my, my mother-in-law says she wished she had skipped this whole section and gotten to the grandkids. <laughs> Here's another challenge or a common problem. Retirement, intentions, and goals. Considering how the age difference will impact both of you when this time comes. Big one. Your sexual expression may change. Okay. <laughs> And the last one, how will you handle it when people notice or comment on your age difference? Let's be clear. If I'm somewhere and I see a dude who looks really, really older with a young woman who looks really, really young, I know it's impolite to stare, but I look. <laughs> and I try not to make it look like, what in the world? And you try to look, you know. <laughs> you know we do that. And when you see an, a significantly older woman with a younger man, what do we do? <sighs> and we roll our eyes and we catch an attitude, right, sister girls? <laughs> so those are some of the common challenges that occur with, 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 with couples who have significant age gaps. But Ruth and Boaz didn't just have an age problem. They had a culture-ethnicity problem. He was Hebrew, she was Moabite. Oh, you have no context for that, do you? All right, let me see. In today's society, it's okay if a white male marries an Asian woman, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna be real quiet now, that's all right. <laughs> it's okay if a black man marries a white woman. Mm -hmm. Dead silence. I expect it. Well, what happens if an Asian man marries a black woman or a white woman? I mean, I'm sorry, Asian woman marries, what did I say? I'm confused. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. No? Okay. <laughs> All right, so white male can marry a Asian woman, right? That's okay. White woman marrying an Asian male? Yes, but you know, within the Asian culture, and my Asian friends correct me if I'm wrong, it's really important for an Asian man to marry an Asian woman for family perpetuation. Yes, no? Right? So it's not that they don't, might not like to marry outside of their race. It's just that they're thinking about their family line. So the, the, the Asian male may not marry a white woman or a black woman or an Asian. Oh, I said Asian, I mean Asian from another place. <laughs> but do you get the point I'm trying to make? Are you with me now? All right. So Ruth and Boaz had ethnic 
cultural, religious differences. Ruth grew up in a community where they worshipped the god Chemosh. They believed and, and worshipped in the sun god. They practiced all those little fertility things to make God do stuff. Mm. So God had told them, you know, don't marry those people because they're going to make you walk away from me and stray from me. Some of you are wondering, is it okay? As a matter of fact, somebody tweeted in the question, you know, how do you, how do you have a relationship with someone when your faith isn't the same? So let's look at what are the challenges that those who are in relationships with individuals outside of their ethnic, cultural, or racial group, or even religious group, might face. Here we go. People within your community don't accept the relationship. Family and friends keep their distance and they don't talk to you. You get indirect comments. You're being stared at. People shake their heads as you walk by or enter a restaurant. Your partner not being acknowledged at a party or get-together. Being asked by your family or friends not to bring your partner over. Within the relationship, there may be disagreements about whose values or beliefs are more important. You may get the following comments. You should be with your own kind. You're a sellout. You're disgracing your race, culture, etc. One partner may feel uncomfortable telling their family and friends about the relationship, thus causing problems within the relationship. The lists I just shared with you about dating someone older than you or younger than you or dating someone out of your, outside of your race or ethnicity is not exhaustive. There are a lot of other things that come up. Yet I want to say to you this morning, that there are three C's, I, may, I try to make it real simple, three C's that can help you meet the challenges head on. The first one is choice. Say choice. choice. Louder, choice. choice. Love is a choice. Contrary to popular belief, love is not a feeling. You choose who you love. I guess you all agree. That's serious. Especially when you hear people talk about, I really like so-and-so. I think I'm in love. And what are they going off of? Infatuation and their feelings. Because you can't love me if you don't know me. Amen, walls. But because we use the word love for everything, I love my coach purse. I love my Starbucks. I love my Porsche, my BMW. I love my iPad, my iPhone, or whatever. We use the word love so much, we don't understand that love is a choice. So we have to make a decision about who we love. That's our choice. Nobody can make you love somebody. Amen. How many of you praying that Jesus would make that man love you or make that girl love you? And they don't. And you're mad. Jesus, all I asked you to do was just, could you make him notice me? Could you make him love me? That's only in TV, in Hollywood, down the road. Keep going. In real life, love is a choice. Second C, say with me, after me, commitment. Love relationships require a commitment from both individuals. Which means you're willing to stay in the relationship and do the work it will take to maintain love, joy, and happiness. Love is a choice 
And when you're in a relationship with someone, a love relationship with someone, you must be committed to staying in the relationship. Through sickness, health, poverty, family strife, and drama, etc., etc., etc. We don't get to say, you know what? It's too hot. I'm out of here. If you're in it, you're in it. That's why you shouldn't just love willy-nilly. Shouldn't love every and anybody. You need to be intentional about your choices. And the last one, communication. Say that one. There are two levels of communication that must occur in order for you to be in any relationship, especially the ones that have the challenges that are shared. You need a vertical communication and you need horizontal communication. When we do premarital counseling, Pastor Terry and I, and I know also Pastor Kelly, one of the first things we talk to couples about is communication. Do you know how to talk to each other about how you feel? Now, women, we, we automatically kind of go, oh, that's not hard. Because I talk about my feelings all the time. And the guys are like, oh my gosh, that's all they talk about is how they feel. <laughs> and, and it's true. We tend to be a little bit more with the feeling words, and you guys tend to kind of grunt. Mm. <laughs> but the reality is that when you're in a relationship with someone, aren't they the hardest people to tell how you feel? Come on, isn't that hard? Okay, no, it's not. It's easy for you. It's hard for me. I've been married to the same guy for 15 years. Amen. <laughs> and I just discovered three weeks ago how to really listen to him when he was talking to me. <laughs> Any people in here who know what I'm talking about? Married people who understand what I'm saying? You live with somebody for a long time, and then all of a sudden they said something, and you go, oh my gosh. That's what you, oh my, why didn't I get it before? And he's like, I, would, I told you. Horizontal communication is so important. And you have to be able to talk about everything. You know what I'm blown away by? I'm blown away by how we're willing to get physically naked with people. But we won't get emotionally naked. What is... How come it's okay to take your clothes off and get into bed with any and anybody, but you don't share who you really are? See, because the truth of the matter is, the physicality is not going to sustain the relationship. It is bearing who you are to that person and knowing that they're going to love you back with all your stuff. Horizontal communication means you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And you learn the words to express that. Feeling words, you know, like, this makes me sad. This makes me angry when. And the other thing is you need to also own your feelings. Because too often we want to say, you make me feel. And we want that person to do something differently. You know, we choose how we feel and respond to the actions. Let me give you a primary example. On Monday, right, I thought I looked really cute when I came out to work. And I said to my husband, what do you think? He said, you look okay. All the women are like, who is that man? And so he then said to me, how do you think you look? 
I said, I think I look pretty cool. He said, then it's good. Now, see, if that conversation had happened in year one of our marriage, guess what else would have happened? I didn't believe you said that to me. I would have And I would have messed my whole self up. I would have called my friends. And he would have been on and on. But I had to take ownership of my feelings. Now, because I know who he is, my husband, it takes a whole lot for him to give like crazy praise. A lot. That's a lot of work. <laughs> and his rule of thumb is simply this. If you, if you didn't look good, I would tell you. All the dudes are like, how many dudes say yes? Ah, sister girls, free one. He says, if you don't look good, I'm going to tell you you don't look good. So the rule of thumb is when I'm leaving the house, if I don't look good, he'll stop me and go, girl, don't do that. But I had to take ownership of my feelings. And I couldn't keep saying, you make me feel bad and it's your fault and if you would only just... And I had to listen to him. He was like, you're not listening to me. If you don't look good, I'm going to tell you. So don't expect me every time to gush over everything. Funny thing, oh, I said to him, which shoes should I wear? And I, I showed him the two shoes. He said, go with that one. You know how many women told me they liked my shoes on Monday? All of you guys were like, I don't know what you had on. But people told me, I love your shoes. So instead of me getting mad at him and blaming him for not boosting on my ego, I realized, you know what, this is just not his thing. But if I ask him to contribute to the conversation, he will. It's like cooking. I go in the kitchen. <laughs> and I throw this meal down in front of him and I'm waiting for him to tell me how amazing a cook I am. And I was like, how did it taste? It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. He's like, what did you want? I'm like, it's all right. It's delicious. <laughs> it's wonderful. Do you taste the cilantro just meandering through? And he's like, what? <laughs> so then I've learned in the 15 years that if it's all right, it means it's good. If it's good, that means it's out of this world. <laughs> Communication. Communication. Talking to each other about everything makes the difference. Now, the vertical relationship is key, y'all. It's key. Because on the days when my feelings aren't so nice towards him, I go talk to Jesus. And Jesus reminds me, Dillis, you know, it's not just him. And I don't want to hear that. But because I have a horizontal relationship with God, he continuously points out to me the things that I need to submit and surrender. And he also helps me to love unconditionally. I don't know how people get married or get into relationships and don't have a vertical connection. Because it's the vertical relationship that helps inform the horizontal. Now, if you're considering getting into a relationship with someone who is significantly older or younger than you or someone who is of a different race or, or religious um, group or ethnicity, there are, according to um, Joel Crone, taken, this is from the book, take, taken from Mixed Matches, How to Create Successful Interracial, Interethnic and Interfaith Relationships. Here are six questions you and your partner must sit down and communicate about. One, time. I like you today, am I like you tomorrow? Am I going to want to be with you 20 years from now? Your faith. Does your faith really 
walk hand in hand. Because if your faith communities don't go together, don't even do it. The cohesiveness of your family. What kind of family is he coming from? What kind of family are you coming from? While there are ob obvious differences, if your family is enmeshed, which means that they leave their family, they feel like they're missing a part of themselves? Or is their family a mixed family where the individual needs of the family is balanced with the individual? Or are they disengaged? Is the person you're in this relationship with, do they care about their family at all? You need to know that. Because if you come from a family where you're always having barbecues, always going up to the lake, always going camping, and he comes from a family where everybody does what they want to do, it doesn't even matter if you're a different race or culture or religion. You're going to have problems. I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> Emotional expressiveness. Is it high intensity, mixed, or high formality? It makes a difference. You need to talk about that. Interpersonal relationships. Is it a hierarchical relationship? Are you engaged in a relationship with someone who comes from a, 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 a family background, a cultural background where authority and tradition are very important? Or is it cooperative where, they, where the needs of the group are more important than the needs of one person? Or is it individualistic? It's all about me. Because that's going to affect the relationship. And the big one, gender roles. Is it overlapping? Are men and women equal? Is it a partial overlap? Is it differentiated? You have to sit down with that person and have the conversation. And it's not about how you feel. I don't care how much you feel like you love him or her. The feelings are going to go right out the door the first argument you have. Or the second, or the third, or the fourth. Choice. Commitment. Communication. Choice, commitment, communication. Are there any benefits to marrying someone older or younger than you? Yes. Stability. Individuals are ready to commit. And they have life experience. Just depends on how much experience you want. <laughs> are there any benefits from interracial relationships, intercultural relationships? Yes, you get to meet new cultures. You get to learn about new people. And, and, and you know what? In the end, all of us get to continue to see what God's diversity is all about. I'm, I'm a technical cougar. My husband's two years younger than me. Yeah, he is. And the running joke in our family is that, you know, as I get older, I keep telling them, you better take care of yourself, because I'm going to be amazing. And he goes, you better not get sick, because I'm the younger one. But that's our running conversation. And being with someone who was a couple years younger than me in my relationship, I'm telling you, it's been a blessing. Because it's not about his age. It's never been about the age. It's been about our choosing to be together, our commitment to be together till one of us dies, and our willingness to communicate with God and with each other. Listen, y'all. Love is a choice. Relationships that lead to marriage is hard work. But with God, all things are possible. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you, Dillis. One, my wife is three years younger than me, so what does that make a guy? Um, if a woman's a cougar, what's a guy? Just a guy. Wrong. Smart. <laughs> Smart. She's younger. She'll take care of me. That whole mature thing, I don't know. But, 
Okay, you said something that I just went, whoa. There's several things, but on both. People are more willing to get physically naked than share their personality, their, their emotions. Why? You know, I think it's a part of our society. Um, when I was doing some research on this, one of the things that, I, that kept popping up was the idea that younger, older women want to be with younger men has a lot to do with physical relationships. You know, it's the whole lust factor, right? Um, the idea of an older man wanting to be with a younger woman is all about that whole idea. He's older, you know, she's young and, and nimble and whatever else. Now, you know, I is. just said my wife's three years younger than me. This is making me feel... <laughs> I'm sorry. But... Our society, the society around us keeps telling us that physical relationships without commitment, physical relationships outside of marriage are okay. You know, I found a statistic yesterday that blew my mind that 98.98%, let me generalize it, of individuals who are in, um, engaged or in some kind of premarital, you know, before they get married are actually already engaged in a physical relationship. Hmm. But then when they come and sit with you or I or other people talking about what's going on, they don't want to tell each other what they think and how they feel. Yeah. So I don't know, so I go, well, yeah. well, why? Because it's what they see around them. Huh. It's easy to get into bed and get out of bed and go home. But to stay there and, and, and deal with the real stuff that makes that person tick is really challenging. So one of the great challenges you see is people that are, think they're protecting themselves by being behind those walls to protect their emotions are really in prison? Yes, they are. So what's the best way to break out? The best way to break out of it, I think Pastor Kelly said it best yesterday, you need to take care of yourself. Do the work of finding out who you are and dealing with your struggles, your issues, and your challenges. If you need to talk to a pastor, imam, priest, you know, talk to a counselor. But just start doing the homework of figuring out who you are and why you behave the way that you behave. Look at the pattern of your relationships. Look at your family, you know, your family history and just identify, well, this is what's been going on. Those genograms, any FFT, MFT people in the house, you know how important that genogram is oh, yeah. to look through your family history so you can be better educated. Thank you very much. No, Thank I, I get a hug. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing with us. Eh? I'm not going to hug Pastor Randy Roberts tomorrow. Think he might get a little... Let's take a moment and pray, shall we? Father, all this week we've been dealing with deep, heavy stuff. And look at that. We hide behind things thinking we're going to protect ourselves from being hurt. But Lord, all we are is lonely and wanting relationship. May we take time to take care of ourselves. May we take time to take care of others around us. But before we all do that, may we take time to know how much you love and care for us, to model for us how we can live and how we can be transformed. May each person here feel that love and that blessing, I pray, until we come together tomorrow and learn more how to live a life that can be happily ever after. Amen.